This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere Thursday at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome back to another episode of Chanel in the City. I am your host, Chanel Omari, and I have a very special guest with us here today, very exciting, an icon. He is the original Gossip King, and we've all learned from him, the one and only, the talented, the amazing Perez Hilton from PerezHilton.com and the author of TMI, My Life and Scandal. How are you, Perez? I'm wonderful because there's quiet in my house. My kids finally went back to school this week for the first time in 11 months. And I love having them here. That was just a joke. Right. But I knew, that, I knew that my kids were struggling. You know, they could not focus as well here. They missed getting out daily. They missed their friends. And I'm just so thankful that now they're happy and they don't even complain about having to wear masks all day and keep their distance. Um, although my my son just had a birthday party and Happy I invited, birthday. thank you, a bir- a bir- he had his birthday and he had a little birthday party and I invited one of his classmates because they're in a pod together. And part of going back to school is they have to get COVID tested twice a week. It's intense. Whoa. So because they're getting tested twice a week and they're in the same pod bubble, I felt okay inviting him over to have a little party outside with him and my sister and my mom, and that's it. And my son's classmate said, I have to tell you something. Yesterday at school, I gave Mario and another one of our classmates a hug. And I said, (laughs) it's okay, it's okay. Isn't that so funny that like hugs now are like so taboo when we took it so for granted, you know what, before COVID, it's insane. Speaking of fatherhood, how is it being a father? I mean, and maintaining this insane career. It's wonderful. I mean, it gets better and better because At first, you know, your kids are just sleeping all the time and they're babies. Then they wake up and they're not talking yet. But when they really can start to communicate verbally through words um, and start to develop their personality, it's wonderful because I have three and each one is so different. And each one um, loves helping dad and being a part of all the things that I do. My son who just turned eight, he loves, videoing me like if I'm making a silly dance video he's usually the one behind the camera recording it all and then his sister who's five she's a big ham just like me she loves being on camera and then my youngest you know she doesn't quite get the whole Perez Hilton thing yet my older two do um but she's wanting to more and more like oh dad videotape me dancing and i'm like sure um or you know just you know coming into her own she's only 3 so now she's really coming into her own and i i love it and people don't always talk about 
the bad things that come with parenting also. It's not all roses. Right. Um, you know, when I first had my child, my firstborn, um, that's when anxiety came into my life. <laughs> I did not have anxiety prior to children. I want to talk about that because this podcast touches up on mental health. You know, being in this industry and being a father with three children, how do you cope with um, the anxiety? Well, I've coped with it many different ways throughout the years. I think that now I'm coping the best and not suffering from anxiety because I've made a lot of changes. Um, you know, last year, 2020, many to most of us were incredibly sad and going through it. I was massively depressed. Um, you know, and when you're in the middle of a depression, your brain isn't thinking rationally. So, you know, my brain was saying, it's good that you're not going out or, or leaving the house. But I could have gone for walks. I could have gone to the beach and taken a walk there. I could have taken my kids for a hike and done things that were safe. And I just did not do them because I was so depressed and because my mom lives with me. And that was what really like triggered the anxiety and depression. Like, what if I got my mom sick? She's really high risk. She's in her late 60s and has multiple health issues. Um, and then, you know, work was hard for me last year, like it was for many people. My podcast, which I had been doing, I have been doing for six years, we were crushing it. I'm and I don't know if you podcast, by the way. I don't know if you experienced this, but you know, last year my podcast took a big hit financially. And that was hard. Um, so it was just everything came up. And then, you know, I released a memoir last year, which you kindly mentioned when you introed me. And that was just so much work, you know, because it's not just doing all the media, then it's also keeping up what you were your day job and also promoting everything as well. Like, oh, the book's on sale now, make sure you're buying it, swipe up, all these things. It's like, ah. Um, so the big the big changes that I made was. After my emotional break in December of 2020, we don't call it a breakdown. We call it a break like because that. it's kind of like a vacation, right? It's, it was yeah. needed. It was needed. Uh, and my therapist says that, you know, my th uh, oftentimes a depression can be a good thing for somebody because it can really force you and push you to create really positive and hopefully long lasting change. One of which I just mentioned, I'm in therapy. And I used to see my therapist back in the day. I had not seen him in five years. The last time I saw my therapist was after I got done doing Celebrity Big Brother in the UK. And it, I was a mess leaving the show and I got the show to pay for therapy. <laughs> and last year, while I was going through it all, my mom was like, you should go to therapy, you should go to, back to therapy. And I was like, no, 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 I don't need it. I don't want to. And my brain was saying, you should not spend money on that. That's not a, a wise thing to spend money on. Cause you know, like in Los Angeles, as in New York city, I would imagine many to most of the good therapists don't accept insurance. And my therapist is not cheap. So I was like, you know, save, save, save. Don't spend money on that. And also like, it's time, it's a time commitment. You're so busy. I had convinced myself that I was not worthy of that. And now I realize I'm so worthy and it's helped me so much just 
to have a support system and have somebody that, because I even felt like I couldn't turn to my mother last year. I felt like I couldn't turn to my friends. I didn't want to be a burden on them. I thought everybody's already struggling. I don't want to just be unloaded. I don't want people to feel like I'm using them, you know, like uh, being a leech, like just hear all my problems out. And now I have somebody whose job it is, who's a trained professional, who's helping me with that. And also I'm making a big priority sleep now, which I used to not for 16 years. I used to get about just four and a half, five hours of sleep a night. Oh now I get about eight hours of sleep a night and I feel like a different person. I know that's and well, speaking of, that's what I was going to say, speaking of therapy and because I go through depression and anxiety and, and I'm so glad that you're talking about this. So people don't feel alone because even the most successful people like yourself, who we look up to, who we, you know, strive to be, feel the same feelings. You spoke about the book that you, you wrote about it um, and it got released in, during the COVID um, season. Talk to us about the inspiration behind the book. I like to be honest. I, you know, one of the things that I'm working on in therapy is to be kinder to myself, uh, you know, to have more compassion with myself. I was afraid to write a memoir for a long time because what if it doesn't do well? Is that a bad reflection on me? All of those thoughts were creeping into my head. So I actually was trying to write another book which nobody wanted to buy. It was a health and wellness book. But during that process, I met the co-writers for my memoir and they said, well, you know, in the future, if you ever want to write a memoir, that's what we do. So when every publisher passed on my wellness book, I said, all right, well, I had these people who were interested in doing an autobiography. So let me see if they're still around and not busy at the, at the moment. And they were. And it was wonderful and people really enjoyed it. And, and going back to what I was saying about, you know, self-doubt and insecurity, I almost, and I, I didn't almost, I did not want to include anything about my early years in the, in the book because I didn't think that was interesting. I said, you know, we should just start in 2004 at the beginning of my career and just all celebrity stuff. But the co-writers and my publisher, Chicago Review Press, they really insisted, no, 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 you, you are interesting. Those early years are worthy of chapters. And to my surprise, those were some of the, the chapters that people resonated with the most, maybe because they're the most universal and people didn't know a lot of those stories and things that I talked about. Um, so that's how the book came to be. And I'm so glad that I did it. I loved it. It helped so many people, including me. I read it during, you know, quarantine. It helped us keep sane. And, you know, talking about mental health, I know, you know, I know we got to get to this, right? The Britney Spears, free Britney Spears movement. And it's just, oh, my heart breaks. We both know her for so long. You, and speaking about how people don't know about a part of your career, it's so funny how we think we know you, but we don't know all of you. And so the book really gave us a lot about why you got into being a, you know obsessed with celebrity culture and why you became successful. I don't think people understand that it's it's not an easy business. It's not just easy to write something about a celebrity or put yourself in a situation where you're vulnerable and you have to, you know, out the celebrity or tell the truth, right? The truth is the worst. So 
I wanted to talk to you a little bit. If you don't mind, I'm going to give you the exact questions so I can ask them correctly. I'm going to read them off here. And some of the listeners want to know too. Um, First of all, do you believe that she's being held against her will? I do not believe that Britney Spears is being held against her will. I do believe that she's unhappy with certain aspects of the conservatorship. Um, I absolutely feel that her father should not be her conservator. She does not want him in that role anymore. And we've learned so much about him that it should be obvious to anybody that the role that he served has run its course and it's time for him to stop. Um, You know, even recently, a, a few days ago, Britney Spears' cousin and her former assistant, Ali Sims, spoke on the record to NBC News, granting her first interview in over a decade. And she reveals that Jamie Spears, Britney's dad, threatened her and that she was afraid for her life. He said that if she did not stop contact with Britney, something bad would happen. And she believed him. Um, I think it's also difficult and complicated when the people who love you are also profiting from you and her father gets paid for being her conservator. And it blurs the line between business and family. And I think Brittany has every right to, to say, I would feel happier and more at peace if somebody other than my father was my conservator. She, according to reports, has said that she will not work at all. No recording, no performing while her dad remains her conservator. And I think we should also take Brittany at her word. And that's what's frustrating. So many fans don't. So many quote unquote fans don't. Over the last few years, Brittany has taken to her Instagram many times to say, I'm okay, I'm happy. Please be respectful of my family and those that work with me. And many fans ignore her request and continue to dox people, send threats, harass. People think that she made those videos against her will. I don't believe that. I don't believe that somebody put a gun to her head or is extorting her. I also think Brittany does not want to speak. And I understand how that could be frustrating to her fans. I understand that so many fans just want answers. But is it our place to know everything? I don't think so. If Brittany so wanted, you're saying this right yeah. now because the, it's the you know because they're saying that you know the code. She's trying to speak to, to us through code, and you know you and I know her, but like you said, we don't even know what's going on. I can't even speak. I haven't spoken to Brittany in years since I've worked with Lindsay. You know whether you know her, you don't know her. I'm glad you're you're talking about how 
the fans want to make up what they want to make up. And, and you're an expert in pop culture, so it's important that we listen up to understand that sometimes we can skew the narrative when yeah. we do that. And yes, Brittany has a social media manager. Yes, her father still controls her life. But she is not a prisoner in her home. If she wanted to speak out, she would. It could be as simple as going out with her boyfriend, going down Robertson Boulevard in Beverly Hills like she used to back in the day, and then giving a spontaneous press conference to the paparazzi. But she has chosen not to do that. And people like myself and others and her fans and the Free Britney movement are left speculating. So if I'm gonna speculate, I'm gonna speculate that I think I have to believe her because up until now, she's just said she doesn't want her father as her conservator. She has not said that she wants to end the conservatorship. In fact, her lawyer stated in court late last year that Brittany was under this conservatorship by choice. I speculate, I think the main reason Brittany is still under this agreement is for her children. I think it has a direct correlation with her kids and in their best interest that this remains. And that, and once her children who are young teenagers are of age, that's when she might possibly push to end the conservatorship because we have to also think, you know, yes, she has mental health issues, but there are a lot of people with mental health issues that are not in conservatorships. And the question of free will comes up. You know, if a person with mental health issues wants to do drugs, should, she, should they be able to? If a person with mental health issues wants to drink alcohol, should they be able to? As part of the conservatorship, Brittany's not allowed to do drugs or take or, or drink alcohol. She's monitored for those things and is also monitored that she's taking her medication. Um, if a, per, a person wants to blow all their money in Vegas gambling, should they be able to? Where it becomes complicated is with Brittany, there's so much money, right? So her family and everybody are they really looking out for her or are they looking out for the money or both? It's both and it's complicated. These are complicated matters. And the only people who know the truth are Brittany and her team. And, you know, it's, I, I do think it's interesting. You know, there's been great conversation about how the media covered her back in the day and if they've evolved now, but how much has the media evolved? Because right now on ABC, owned by Disney, American Idol is exploiting Claudia Conway, a 16 year old child who has opened up about her struggles with mental health, who has revealed very dark thoughts who has very publicly accused her mother of serious allegations. 
And this is just stunt casting. This is using her for ratings. Is it sensitive to do that? Is, you know, should they be doing that? Right. I want to go because I want to go back to this because as a parent yourself going through also mental health issues and knowing about the Britney Spears case ins and outs, do you think she is mentally equipped and safe to have custody back of her children, knowing what you know? I will say this. I think. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I think Brittany is surrounded by professionals at all times. And she should absolutely have 50% custody of her children. Um, you know, one of the many reasons why Brittany is frustrated with her father is that over a year ago, her dad got into a physical fight with one of her children, one of her two sons. And as a result of that, she had her visit, her custody chopped down. She got less custody after that because um, Kevin Federline was not happy with the arrangement as it was. No, yeah. So, um, yeah. As to, is she mentally equipped? I don't have the answer. Nobody has the answer except for Brittany and her doctors and those in her inner circle. And also, and I haven't talked about this yet, you know, it was announced this week that Netflix is doing a Britney Spears documentary that Britney is not cooperating with, just like she did not cooperate with the Hulu New York Times documentary. All of these, the Hulu one, it's like people, the media was exploiting Britney, but in a similar way, the New York Times and Hulu was also exploiting Britney. It was a for-profit documentary. They're not donating the money to Britney's Legal Defense Fund or to a nonprofit or to a charity that helps women with postpartum depression or with mental health issues. No, it was to make money off of Britney Spears. And the same with this new Netflix documentary. I think Britney's fans should not watch either of them. They should just sit and wait for Britney to speak when or if she's ready to. I would love for Britney to do a documentary on her own. And you know, she may never, or she'll wait, like I said, Britney's world and her relationship with the public will be very different when her kids are 18 and older. 
because Demi Lovato just released a trailer for her new documentary. And I was blown away at how transparent she was. Most celebrities are not as honest as she went in this documentary. She dug deep and is gonna let us know everything when it premieres next month on YouTube. She talks about suffering three strokes and a heart attack after her overdose. Her friends, I mean, they don't quite say that she did heroin in the documentary trailer, but her friends said, are we talking about heroin? meaning that's the infer inference and that's what is going to be discussed in the, the multi-part series. But that's something that's never been really addressed with Brittany. It wasn't talked about in the, in the Hulu New York Times documentary and Brittany's own documentaries that she's done never addressed her alleged drug use I'm not saying she did drugs. I'm saying that there were rumors, there, there, there were allegations, and it wasn't a short period of time. There were allegations of drug use for many years, beginning when she married Jason Alexander, her childhood friend. Sources in Vegas claimed according to allegations that Britney was high on ecstasy. So when you're dealing with the level of fame that Britney had, when you're dealing allegedly with drugs, all of that, and when you're dealing with an underlying me mental health issue or several mental health concerns, that's just a recipe for disaster and for what happened. But I don't know if we need that or want to, you know, that was Demi's choice to be that forthcoming. She doesn't have children and she's a different person. I don't necessarily think it's in the best interest of the public or her children if Brittany's detailing, yeah, I was doing all these drugs and this is what I was doing. And yeah, my mental health was so bad that I almost killed myself at one point. And I almost, and I threatened to, to take my children's life too. I'm not saying she did that. I'm just, you know, speculating. You know, it has to be stated that to put somebody in a 5150 psychiatric hold in Los Angeles, in the state of California, it's very hard. Even harder it is to put somebody under a conservatorship. A court needs to be presented with overwhelming evidence that that person is a danger to people. Wow, right. So that, and this is, I wanna touch base because we talk, you talk about, the media not being much different from back then. We're going to talk about Diane Sawyer, how she pressed Britney. There was a clip of her in the um, Free Britney Spears documentary where she's pressing Britney um, about her sexuality and about the relationship with Justin Timberlake. We talk about her underlining mental health issues that she does not admit to over the over the decade or two. She does not admit that she has mental health issues. However, you're saying that it is hard to be under conservatorship that she's in and going to a 5150, you know, mental institution, pe most people just don't go involuntarily. Which happens more than once, by the way. Brittany was placed, yeah. What do you, did you really find 
first of all, do you, do you think the media has the responsibility to that contributing to her mental health issues and drug alleged drug issues and, and what's going on now, the whole mess. And do you find Diane's questions to Brittany? Okay. I mean, yes, she's a journalist, but do you really have to, do you really think she had to be so tough? The only person who knows if the media contributed to Brittany's mental illness is Brittany. Um, I know that it, and I don't, I, I, I don't think media, there's anxiety and there's depression and media attention can contribute to that. But I don't think that intense media scrutiny will give somebody schizophrenia, border personal, BDP, bipolar, uh, the many different things that some people speculate Brittany has. I don't think those things are triggered or created by media attention. Would it add happiness to her life? Of course not. Um, would it help with anxiety and depression if she was struggling with that? Of course not. Uh, but from what I understand, knowing people who know Brittany, she has very serious mental health issues. Thankfully, people have evolved since that interview took place in the early 2000s. But you have to remember, at the time, Diane Sawyer was speaking for the majority of people. She was the voice of the people. The questions that Diane Sawyer was asking was what most people were thinking. So you're right. And then, cause I want, we, a lot of the listeners and fans are saying, well, Perez, you apologized publicly and mm -hmm. privately. And a lot of people in the media who've hurt Brittany have po apologized publicly and privately. Why do you think Diane Sawyer is getting off the hook for not apologizing publicly? And why shouldn't she apologize? I think, you know, Diane Sawyer. Or I'm sorry, do you think she deserves an apology, Brittany, from Diane Sawyer? Really is the question. I think that Diane Sawyer might, ha might have already apologized to Britney Spears privately. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, I would have said something publicly if I was Diane Sawyer because it's the right thing to do. But in her mind, she doesn't feel compelled to. And I don't, I can't speak for her. I don't know why. Um, there's so many things that she could say. She's like, this is a teachable moment for all of us. And it was, you know, and she may not even apologize. Maybe she's not sorry. And that's fine too. You know, she's right. like, she could have said at the time I was speaking for them. Like what I said, she could have said at the time I, I was speaking for most people and I don't regret my line of questionings. It was a tough interview with somebody who put her children's life in danger. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -chumba. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right. I mean, that's the tough part. I think with apologizing and being a journalist, it's just a hard, be, being between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. I want to move on a little bit to Justin Timberlake's apologies. People are saying they're a little too late. What are your thoughts on that? I would say Um, can we curse? Can we curse on your podcast? Of course you all can. Right. To all those people, fuck you. <laughs> um, you know, Justin Timberlake didn't have to issue an apology. I believe he is cancel proof. You cannot cancel Justin Timberlake. He's bulletproof. He will always have very loyal fans. And even if his public image took a beating and with, with, if he didn't apologize, he could have very easily fixed that. How? Okay, fine. People are unhappy with me right now. I'm gonna give them what they want. I'm gonna agree to an in-sync reunion and we're gonna do a sold out global stadium tour and I'm gonna be loved again. And he would have. And he's not the only one, you know, like look at Bill Cosby, convicted rapist, serving time in prison for rape. And many other women also have dozens have accused him of rape. If Bill Cosby does not die in jail when he's released from prison, he may, he may want to do a stand up comedy tour. And people would go see him. Convicted rapist Bill Cosby might even sell out venues. So, you know, to everybody who's not happy with Justin Timberlake's apology, fuck you. He didn't have to apologize. He did, and I think it was sincere. Same with me. I think one of the reasons why I, I, I'm defensive for him is I really resonated with his apology. And it seems like so many people don't want to give others the opportunity to be remorseful and sincere and grow and learn from their mistakes. And then people were like, oh, how? Be specific. I don't I don't need that or want that from him because that could be performative. How can he be better and do better? Well, maybe get into therapy and have a professional help you unpack everything from your past. I saw this one clip go viral recently in the wake of Justin's apology where he was at an awards show with Kylie Minogue and 99% of the time at award shows, the banter is scripted. So I'm not gonna, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and just assume that the dialogue he was saying was written by somebody else, but he still had to sign off on it. And the shtick was Justin and Kylie Minogue had performed not that long ago, back in the day when this clip happened. 
at the award show and he had touched her butt. You know, it was an agreed upon moment, like a tongue in cheek thing. He squeezed her butt and he said at the award show, can I touch your butt again? And Kylie was no. So even if he didn't write that, he still agreed to say it. Nobody forced him to say that. It would have, you know, in the early 2000s or mid 2000s, like joking about grabbing a woman's butt, like was that the smartest thing? But he, he did it, you know, and he, why did, what was it that he, why did he think that that was funny or okay? Like that's something that he could talk about in therapy. And I think that just being a better person will help him to live up to this statement and this apology of his. I love it. We have one more question. We'll wrap up. Um, any regrets that, you, you know, first of all, we love your podcast. You spoke about this recently on your podcast episode about, you know, apologizing to Brittany and having regrets about certain things you said in the early years, but it was your career. So it, you were stuck between a rock and a hard place. What was the worst thing you think you, you, you or do you think you said about her that you still regret? So much. I mean, I don't even like, I, um, you know, people will tag me in things that I've said, written, or did on Twitter and, and ask me a question, is that you? And I'll say, yes, I don't deny it. I'm not claiming things were Photoshopped, but I don't even want to or need to verbalize again what I did because I know it was awful and so does everybody else. And like I've said repeatedly, I've apologized to Brittany long before this documentary, repeatedly throughout the years, various different ways, on my website, on my YouTube, on my podcast, on my social media, in interviews, in my memoir. I've apologized to her privately as well. And after everything that went down and how I covered her back in the day, she still was gracious enough to choose me to be a part of her circus tour and have me be in the opening video montage, which was amazing. amazing. And then several years after that, I think it was in 2015, I went to Vegas to see her show, her residency at Planet Hollywood. And she brought me up on stage and chatted with me back backstage also. And, and everything was good between us. And I have also apologized privately recently before the documentary. I didn't even know the documentary. Oh my God, you're giving us such good tea right now because people want to know how long it's been since you guys have spoken. I don't want to get into details, but um, I did apologize to Brittany recently. Actually, I'll, I'll say when, in December. I don't need to go into details about how, but... Uh, you know, I went through this big emotional break in December, as I talked about in the beginning of the podcast. And one of the things that I wanted to do, my idea, not even my therapists, was I felt it was important for me. It's kind of like the things that people often do in 12-step programs. Um, you know, they'll, they'll reach out to people that they have wronged and uh, apologize and even though I had apologized before, there's nothing wrong with apologizing again or differently. Um, so I did. And she was one of a few people that I reached out to in December. Love that. What's next for Perez Hilton? Let's let's end on a fun, amazing <laughs> note. I'm so excited for your future, you know, and, and also to us journalists, you know, what's a tip for how 
for your success? How do we get to be success? What's the next for Perez Hilton? And then we can wrap this up. Well, I'm very excited that um, on Tuesday, February the 23rd at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, I'm launching a new partnership with Triller. Uh, so you can, if you don't have the Triller app yet, download the Triller app and I'll be streaming live every Tuesday at 9.30, 6.30 Pacific and giving people the tea live, which I don't really do that anymore. Um, so I'm excited to do that, you know, and I'm excited to continue to grow my podcast. We're going to be doing different things on it, hopefully. Where can people find your podcast and download it? Yeah. If you enjoyed me on here, you can listen to the Perez Hilton podcast with Chris Booker on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or directly at perezpodcast.com. That's perezpodcast.com. And I'm really um, excitedly working with a new manager who has been working with me since late last year. And we're really um, trying to diversify the things that I do and be more entrepreneurial. So I'm gonna be launching something this year, which I've never done before in a, in a category, in a, in a field that I've never done anything in before and I'm very passionate about. So uh, be on the lookout for that, which I can't announce just yet. And uh, literally right now, I'm off to Target with my son <laughs> to uh, have him pick his own birthday presents, which is uh, an interest, a, a thing that I do that's different. I started that little tradition last year when he turned seven, I gave him a $70 budget and he could buy whatever he wanted with $70. So today we're going to go back and he has an $80 budget because he's eight now. I love that. Happy birthday. Well, enjoy your son and your kids. And Perez, thank you so much. This has been such an honor. I've looked up to you. I'm a fan. We're rooting for you. We love you. Um, we can't wait to see your new ventures. Hi, it's Perez Hilton, and I am chatting with Chanel Omari on the Chanel in the City podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.